Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. We come to you from a different day of the week. Shock horror. It's an exciting new world of Tuesday. Yeah, we've ditched Monday for Tuesday because who was really into Monday from the beginning? Yeah, we really hate Mondays and we really hated getting up early on Mondays in order to do it. And we think the podcast will sound better because we'll be more awake. Yeah, please update your personal Seriously listening schedules accordingly. I know it's a big part of your week, everyone. So just jig some things around. Make some room for us. Make some room for us in your Tuesday evening slash whenever else in the future you listen to podcasts (laughs) so we've had some lovely emails we had a really nice email from Angie who's over in Australia hello we have a Sydney listener and she says she works for a gift store and they've made some save Kanye caps and anyway she's sending us a couple of save Kanye caps (laughs) which is really exciting because if you if you heard last week's episode where we talked about the life of Pablo and everything that that entailed you will know that Kanye West has some problems and you know he needs help so well Kanye needs to save himself from himself so really Kanye needs this cap more than anyone (laughs) yeah but anyway if you'd like to see a picture of us wearing a funny hat hopefully that that will be coming soon, coming. as soon as some post arrives from Australia. I have no idea how long that takes. We've also had a really, really lovely response to our slightly silly reading out of our rude iTunes <laughs> reviews that yeah, we that did last fun. week, <laughs> which was fun for us and possibly looking back on it slightly petty, but um, I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> James emailed in just to say that thanks to our pettiness, he's left us a nice iTunes review and that he just generally really likes the podcast. So... If you would also like to either leave us a review or send us a nice email, both of those things are options that are available to you. You can find all ways to do that on... We've now... Oh, we've now got a website. Maybe we should tell people about that. Come and look at our website if you can be bothered. If you can be bothered (laughs) slash need contact details or show notes from a previous episode or whatever. Seriouslypod, S-R-S-L-Y-P-O-D dot com. Rolling on to the pop culture-y things of the week. The first thing we're going to talk about this week is the Netflix series Love. Love is a Netflix original TV rom-com starring Gillian Jacobs as a gorgeous but abrasive character called Mickey and Paul Rust, who also co-wrote the series, 
and he's a self-proclaimed nice guy slash major nerd called Gus. They have an unusual early morning meeting uh, in a service station and a series of awkward coincidences see them hang out together all day. They proceed to text, meet at parties and avoid actually telling each other how they feel for the majority of the series. And there are also some jokes. Hey, I have money. I can pay you back. It's totally cool. It's on me. Don't be a fucking hero. I'm Mickey. I'm Gus. Follow me. Yeah, so I think I watched six episodes of this in a weekend. That's good going. Which is some good going for a new TV series. Yeah, it is good. And I think suggests that I quite like this. Yeah, I, I have a funny relationship with this show mm. because I binge watched it too. I've watched it all now. And I can't quite decide if I think it was good or watchable, which are two different things. That's kind of what I'm toying with. I'm sort of allowing myself to suspend judgment until I've watched it all, which I am going to watch yeah, the whole you should. thing. Yeah, that's true. Having gone through six so quickly, clearly it's something I'm enjoying at least in the moment, if not in a broader sense. But yeah, I'm not sure if it's great. So you wrote an article about this that I think said this really well, that the whole setup of the show is that it's a romantic comedy, but not really a romantic comedy because the two leads like aren't very romantic and aren't very kind of traditionally sentimental or loving or anything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But actually the point you made is that that's how all romantic comedies work. Yeah. They're always sort of anti-heroes who somehow surprisingly find their way together and love is exactly that. Most of the time it's like, you know, she put her career before her love life or like he was just a playboy who didn't have time for serious things you know it's always a bit like that isn't mm. it i feel like the modern incarnation of that is this normally now tv set rambling rom-commy series about people who perhaps just aren't good people at all mm. yeah this is quite a character driven thing so i wonder if we should just talk a bit about the two characters what do you think of mickey to start off with so I quite like her. I'm not supposed to like her mm. in the sense that they've kind of gone out of their way to make her abrasive. And, you know, she's a liar. She is quite rude. She's quite selfish. She isn't great at kind of thinking through decisions before she just leaps into stuff. I'm thinking particularly, and there'll be spoilers from here on if you're bothered by that, the occasion with her co-worker where in order to kind of preempt a sort of sexist firing, she decides to have actual sex with him. Just to try and just, say that you can't can't fire me now haha yeah which is kind of an insensitive thing to do yeah i mean he's a bit of and but then this is what you always come back to with this series and others like it is that he's kind of a dick as well yeah he's so a you don't person. feel that bad for him so i think that's why i do actually like her that if she was the only unlikable character in a cast of otherwise lovely people i would probably mm. not like her but in an ensemble with a lot of other people who are also unlikable in different ways i kind of like her best yeah what do you think? So there's some people I know have said that they don't like the fact that she's very emotional as a character and that maybe she's a kind of stereotypical feminine hysteric. That's interesting. I didn't read that as being particularly female. Yeah. In, in this, I, I associated that more with the fact that she's a kind of recovering and relapsing alcoholic. So did I, actually, which I think is perhaps the best bit of the series mm. and I'm really worried about saying that because people who've actually been through some of these problems might come back and say oh actually a lot of this is very stereotypical and not very representative of what it's really like to have addiction but to me it seemed fairly representative in that it's not this big dramatic thing in Mickey's life that is completely ruining everything and all her relationships. It's got a subtler hold on her that's very sustained. It's ongoing and it's constant and it's it's a kind of cycle of trying, not succeeding, trying, succeeding a bit, try, you know. And in fact, the, it reminded me of... Have you seen the Kevin Spacey House of Cards? No, Also a Netflix series. 
I thought the addiction strand in the first series of that was quite good. It centres around a congressman who has addiction problems and Kevin Spacey as the like evil mastermind mm-hmm. uses his problems to sort of bend him to his right. will. Okay. But the bits you see of him going to meetings, him like fucking up and then trying to sort it out again, I thought were quite good and yeah. and, a, and far more nuanced than the kind of one note narrative that you get sometimes. Also with regard to Mickey, I loved her clothes. Oh, I really loved her clothes. I also really love her house. Yeah, an amazing apartment. So well, it's like a little house, isn't it? It's like a sort of bungalow in Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. And she just looks great all the time and I quite like Gillian Jacobs's sort of sulky expression where she can be really kind of like monotone and blank, but she's also got these quite like puppy dog eyes that always look mm. a bit like have you seen community no uh no so she's she's really good in community she's in like all of that and she's a really major character she... i enjoyed her essay for lenny letter that's what i was just gonna yeah. say yeah it was really good about acting and feeling like you yeah. have permission to be an actor and stuff it was really interesting we'll link to that in yeah. the in the show notes so what about gus i hate gus yeah me too <laughs> i really hate him um i have a completely uncomplicated relationship with him in yeah. the sense that i just hate him yeah he's um, gro- oh, i don't like him at all either and when i first started watching it i was like anna are you doing a bad thing where Gillian jacobs is extremely hot and the entire time we're just like why would she go for this not hot man <laughs> is that what i'm doing in this and actually i don't think it is i think he's just like an annoying character that also rubs me up the wrong way because we always have to see like absolutely gorgeous women Mm. like going for these like kind of average men and it breeds entitlement in young viewers (laughs) yeah but more than that what really bothers me is how he is the classic fake nice guy yeah how he uses (laughs) his superficial niceness as a weapon so when he goes on a date with Mickey's roommate... It's a fun episode. Which is a really fun episode. They have a situation that I feel like most women have been on a date like this, where the guy uses kind of faux concern as a way of controlling you. Mm. So in terms of stuff like, she's a bit cold, she's sitting under an air conditioning vent, and and he's like, do you want to move to a different table? And she's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm, just, I'm adjusting to it. And he's like, no, 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 don't just say that because you think it will make other people feel better. Let's move. And then he does this whole like really embarrassing move across the restaurant. Mm. He gets the waiter involved, all of this stuff. And she's like, yeah, I really didn't enjoy that. That episode was a good example of the other main thing that I thought love dealt with well. So the first thing was addiction. And the second thing I thought it it did handle well was technology and how people text each other and stuff. Yeah. Because that's a great episode for sending a text to the person you're talking about instead of the person you want to talk to about that person. Yeah. So the roommate who's on a date with Gus sends him a text meant for Mickey saying, thanks for setting us up on this date. Definitely not going to have another one, but he seems nice. And then Gus gets it and that's why he starts behaving really weirdly all throughout the date. But they also do like very well with the kind of like composing and redrafting of Mm. texts that I thought was really funny where he like keeps trying to write a casual hey text to Mickey and like can't hit the right tone. And keeps deleting them and rewriting them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really handles technology and the anxiety it produces really well. Like not intrusive or weird, it's just there in the way that it is in real life for the kind of people that it's portraying. Yeah. Um, which, again, to mention House of Cards, that does that really well as well. They bring the text actually up on the screen. Mm. So you see a shot of like Kevin Spacey getting a text, taking his phone out, he looks at his phone, and then the text just comes up on a truthfully on the screen, so you're reading it at the same time as yeah, he is. instead of showing you the kind of So phone. they don't have to do any kind of over-the-shoulder camera mm. shots or anything else to break, but you still get to comprehend it at the same time as the character does. Yeah, that's good. Maybe, to stretch a point, Netflix 
generally does this well because it is an internet company. Yeah, I probably. don't know. So as always with rom-coms, we should rate it on rom and com yep. value. For me, this was not high on rom. Not high on rom. I liked, don't, don't really care if they get together. For me, 50% on com. When the jokes were good, I laughed a lot, but there weren't enough really good jokes. I agree with that, yeah. I would also add that some of the physical comedy is good. Yeah. Like, I really bizarrely enjoyed the bit where he's helping her roommate move her dresser. <laughs> yeah. When her roommate's moving in, and it's really, really heavy, and then they put it down, and she just tells her she just left all the stuff, the stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. I like the kind of more, the bigger moments of comedy. All the really funny bits I thought were in the trailer, so there's a bit where he's arguing with his ex-girlfriend about his DVDs, and then she's like... It's just boxes of DVDs. They're Blu-rays. Okay, well, it's just shit you can watch on. Online. These Blu-rays have, like, exclusive special features, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh so much. And, like, all the little bits like that, uh, where it's more, like, proper comedy comedy, silly comedy, uh, made me laugh less so the kind of, like, awkward, like, oh, this is so real moments that you get. Something like Girls does much better than yeah. what Love was doing. I know Judd Apatow was influential in getting Girls made. Like, mm. he was really helpful to Lena Dunham when she was, you know, starting out and stuff. But he's not as good as her. I think that's probably true. It lacks yeah. that edge for me. It's not an adventurous piece of television making. It's no. not. Whereas in the way that Girls was Actually when was. it started, yeah. at least if not in subsequent series, it was doing something new and different. Having said that, I am watching it. Yeah, and I finished it all in two days or something. So agreed. Very watchable. So if you're looking for something to binge, loves for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So now we're going to talk about A Bigger Splash, which is a movie that's just come out. It is a dark, erotic thriller centering on a David Bowie-esque pop star, who's played by Tilda Swinton, who has retreated to a remote Italian island to recover from a throat operation in absolute silence. She's living there in peace with her recovering alcoholic boyfriend, and all is well, until her ex-lover and producer Harry turns up, along with his extremely sexy, newly discovered daughter. They're played by Ray Fiennes and Dakota Johnson. It's loosely based on a 1969 film called La Piscine, and is directed by Luca Guadino, who also made I Am Love with Tilda Swinton. Marianne, Paul's headaches, are they a problem? Oh, Harry, stop this fucking shit, all right? You can't talk. I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah, of course you could talk. When Bjork had her operation, after two weeks, she oh, was... I involved. don't give a fuck what Bjork said, all right? <laughs> or Adele. No, and nothing's a problem here. Nothing a few neurofan can't take care of. So I haven't seen the original Italian film. No, me neither. I've got a friend who's like really into sort of European 60s cinema and she loves it. I have not seen it at all. I read the Wikipedia page for it and it sounds, which <laughs> sounds is like basically the same as seeing it, and it sounds really, really 60s. Yeah. Like it stars Jane Birkin and is extremely sexy. So it's obviously all basically set at this very luxurious Italian holiday home, right? And it's got like a beautiful pool and like different buildings and amazing views. And Tilda Swinton is sort of lounging around by the pool in a nice white swimming costume and her boyfriend's looking all handsome and ripped. And then Dakota Johnson turns up and she's gorgeous as well and... Ray Fiennes is running around with his dick out. Like... Oh yeah, we should mention early on, you see a lot more of Ray Fiennes' penis than maybe you would be expecting from a film. I'm seeing him at the theatre tonight, but I assume with his, all his clothes on. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Might be in for a treat. Yeah, and it's very tonally, visually relaxed, but then they have this soundtrack that's like super stressful. Mm, it's almost like a horror it. film soundtrack yeah. that kind of giving you that sort of eerie tension at all times and they do lots of weird stuff with the camera so you'll get like really zoomed in on someone chewing or smiling on their mouth and it suddenly becomes like quite a violent space Mm. or like their hands and suddenly you're like oh my god what are they going to do with those hands and there's a lot of showing the really really beautiful sort of rural landscape of this italian island with like screamy tense music going on Mm -hmm. so you're constantly thinking like i know it looks lovely but underneath it's violent is yeah, the, exactly. what you're thinking the and whole time. And there's lots of weird nods to this in the script. So, for example, there's a bit where Harry goes to take a piss and Tilda Swinton's boyfriend is like, Harry, come on, that's a grave. Like, don't. And then he's like, all of Europe is a grave. <laughs> and he says, yeah. It's a joke in the script, but you're like, okay, Mr. Scriptwriter, we get it. Like, It reminded me, in character terms, of Patrick Marber's Closer, which is, was a play and then a film with Jude Law and Scarlett Johansson. It, so it's also a four-hander, essentially, about two couples who kind of break up and reform in different ways. And, and that's kind of how this felt as well, that at the beginning of the film, you feel like you've got everybody's relationship pegged. You've got Tilda Swinton and her boyfriend and Harry Rafines and his daughter. Mm. And then as the film goes on, that kind of starts to unravel. You start to question it. Like, are Tilda Swinton and Rafines as over as she thinks they are? Mm. Like, is Tilda Swinton's boyfriend going to get with Dakota Johnson because she's young and hot? Like, 
is, is there an incestuous is there an incestuous angle to her relationship with her new father like yeah it's all basically every single relationship in it it becomes implicitly inflicted with either sex or death you're like oh they're either gonna fuck or murder each other yeah. about every person and their relationship or with every possibly other person. one and then the other yeah exactly so it's that's where all the tension and stress comes from I found it like quite indulgent and I know it that is. that's a word that's so easy to use and like is often used by people who just didn't like anything it's like oh I found it indulgent but it really is indulgent like it's very long and very kind of like rambling and I feel like I came away from it and I was like what was the message of that film I know not all films have to have like a succinct message but like what was it trying to make me feel what was it trying to say what was the point of it in any way? And I was like, I can't think of one, literally yeah. one. And going back to how, how it was shot, it just feels so deliberately artsy. Mm. Like there was no point to it other than we did an artsy thing. Yeah. Which is annoying. I yeah. find it annoying. I am all for kind of high-blown technique or form when it is in service of something. So like, I think actually a good comparison is The the Lobster, which we talked about a few episodes yeah. ago, which is similarly a quite sort of cinematically innovative and deliberately weird film. Self-consciously kind of artistic yeah. in quote marks. But in service of its dystopian yeah. location and stuff. Whereas I came out of A Bigger Splash just going like, well, Tilda Swinton is good at acting because she was somehow the main presence in that, even though she wasn't speaking. Oh, and Ray finds his penis. The thing I came away thinking was, my God, I would do anything to get with Tilda Swinton she's yeah. so ridiculously gorgeous she's amazing in it her clothes are incredible I, there's actually an interesting article with because Dior did all the clothes oh, right. um, and all the costume design for the film and there's an, an interesting piece on, the, on that which I thought was brilliantly done but it was a style over substance film completely mm. one thing that made this point for me was there's a running sort of undercurrent about race in this film yeah and so there's a moment where dakota johnson and tilda swinton's boyfriend are walking around and they come across a group of black refugees yeah because the island is sort of out in the mediterranean and there's a kind of suggestion that it's one of the places where refugees coming in yeah, boats are exactly. arriving so there's been a boat that's come onto the island very recently so there's this new sort of influx of refugees and then you see them later by a police station sort of in a camp in like bad conditions and there's this running plot about racism and reflecting the refugee crisis and it never ever comes to a head and there's a moment in it and this is like a big spoiler so if you're going to see the film don't listen to me where they're at a police station and there has been a murder and there's an suddenly an option for them to blame a sort of incoming refugee a bit like the black intruder in the oscar pistorius case yeah and you think here it is here it's coming the point that they've been building up to this entire time and it just disappears just goes nowhere yeah, just goes and nowhere. you're like there's no real conversation going on here you can't just allude to stuff and then not actually have anything of substance to do with it yeah, that was that was annoying because I felt exactly the same. Firstly, I thought the film was going to end about 15 minutes before that because mm. there's an amazing shot. Again, spoiler, hopefully people have already turned off who are actually going to watch this film. A character gets killed in the swimming pool at the holiday home and there's this, I mean, cinematically really amazing shot from above where his body's like slumped over and sunk in the bottom of the swimming pool and you're seeing it from above and it's like a David Hockney painting like just the flat surface of the water but somehow like the, you can still see the body underneath and it's really really clever that bit is really well directed I thought that was the end of the film so many people I've spoken to have said the exact same thing that that is the moment in the film where you're like okay and this is the end mm. and then there's an, another half an hour or something yeah so, so I thought didn't totally enjoy that but good ending because now I get to speculate in my head about how 
the various fluid relationships we saw, how they reform after this crisis and how everyone deals with it. And that is maybe some better writing that they've mm. left that open. And so I was like literally putting my coat on when, <laughs> and, and then it cuts to like the next morning and the police have arrived. It's like, what? No. And then they have a whole sort of like, like investigation side to yes. it. Yes. And so then I thought that the next best moment for the film to end was when Tilda Swinton, and you can see it on her face because she is a very good actor. She takes the morally regrettable decision to try and make the suggestion of a black intruder. And you can tell that she is doing it in full knowledge of what she's doing. Mm. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Never mentioned again. Yeah, they just gloss over it. And so how they actually end up ending the film is with thoughts on celebrity, which is how the film began which I found rather, again, vapid. They they didn't wasn't really saying anything. It was just like, she's a celebrity, so maybe all these problems are going to go away, which was kind of the implication at the beginning that she was a celebrity, so she was able to book this incredible Italian retreat. She was able to get over her problems and her boyfriend was able to get over his alcoholism. Because they're wealthy and yeah. famous. So it um, didn't... But none, none of it tied together satisfactorily. So not the film we were hoping, I think, a bigger splash, but I did did love watching Tilda Swinton and it just made me really want to go on holiday to a beautiful Italian villa, ideally with Tilda Swinton. Yeah, exactly. So last episode, I recommended Anna a chapter of Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes, which we've both listened to as an audiobook, because as I think we'll get into, they've done some slightly interesting stuff with how they've put the book together. It's not just a person reading it. Anna, what did you make of it? So it's a really great chapter. I can't speak for the whole book, but it's a really interesting chapter where Shonda Rhimes is talking about delivering a commencement address at Dartmouth. And, you know, there's all these kind of options aren't aren't there for these kinds of speeches that I think we all kind of know and recognise that it's kind of like the inspirational, you're going out there in the world, graduation speech. And she talks a lot about that and the process of deciding what she was going to write and putting it off. And she speaks in this amazingly, it's not quite conversational tone, but you do feel like you know her instantly. Yeah, you do. She's got such a, an amazing voice. Yeah, it's a really amazing voice, like gorgeous actual tone, but also just the way in which she writes and speaks is very familiar without being flimsy or kind of cheap. She's saying really thoughtful things, but in a way that makes you feel like you could be sat there listening to her with a glass of wine and she's got her glass of wine and is telling you about it. Which I suppose makes sense given that she's a writer for shows like Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. and Scandal and stuff that her characters speak like real people. Yeah, So exactly. she's obviously got a knack for that. And then part of the chapter is about that realisation that she can actually move away from these sort of, what's the word, these kind of like cliches and like bland, inspirational, all-purpose speeches so she puts puts off and puts off writing the speech and she's there's this really great bit where she's talking about how she is just grunting to her like assistants and family when they like ask her questions because she's so overly stressed about it but she ends up completely rewriting it on the plane on the way over and then they basically play the entire speech woven in with the chapter so you hear about the struggle of getting it written 
and then she just plays the whole speech for you. And you get a few moments of kind of meta commentary as well, don't you? Where the Shonda that is reading the book interjects on the Shonda that is giving the speech. Before the speech starts, she's talking about the writing of the speech. And then when she actually starts giving the speech, it's talking about the process of deciding what to say as well. Mm. So the two Shondas are very much in conversation. And she just gives this really great speech that's basically about the idea that you have to almost get over yourself and get stuff done in order to um, achieve your dreams and the example she uses is that when she was a student her dream was to be Nobel Prize winning author Toni Morrison (laughs) she says you know I tried so hard and dreamed so often of becoming a Nobel Prize winning author Toni Morrison and it just never really happened and then she says but you know I put that dream to bed and decided to become me and then the amazing end to the anecdote is then I eventually I met Toni Morrison after you know all my years of working on TV and all she wanted to talk about was Grey's Anatomy and it's just such a great way of saying like I created something that Toni Morrison Nobel Prize winning author Toni Morrison is interested in and we could talk about this stuff as equals so in a way it's like it is a really really inspiring speech for kind of eschewing those traditionally what is considered quote marks inspirational speeches cliches yeah it's a great I, and I've, i know i've said this to anna a million times and i say it to everyone like shonda rhymes is is my new hero in this regard that you just have to do stuff mm. like stop talking about it and thinking about it do it and then make adjustments as you go yeah and get better at it yeah but you won't you've got nothing to get better at until you start Mm -hmm. and that's what so the whole book which I highly recommend it is really really good is about it's called Year of Yes and it's about the fact that she realises that although externally her life looks great like she's got great children and like a lovely partner and a a hugely successful career like the shows produced by her production company are filling an entire night on American network television you know she's doing great but that she's not enjoying any of it she never says yes to anything she never does anything new she just hides inside herself the whole time and Mm. so she decides for a whole year just to say yes to everything she would normally say no to and the talk that we've just spoken about is one of the things that she says yes to doing that she would have otherwise said no to and there are a whole load of other like she says yes to being on television herself she's never on television she says yes to doing more exercise like just a whole raft of different things it's just generally such an inspiring book but and i will stress this not in an annoying self-help way yeah yeah there's actually a bit that, that really stuck with me from her speech. People are constantly asking me, how do you do it? And usually they have this sort of admiring and amazed tone. Shonda, how do you do it all? Like I'm full of magical magic and special wisdomness or something. How do you do it all? And I usually just smile and say, like, I'm really organized. Or if I'm feeling slightly kindly, I say, I have a lot of help. And those things are true, but they also are not true. And this is the thing I really want to say to all of you, not just to the women out there, although this will matter to you women a great deal as you enter the workforce and try to figure out how to juggle a work and family, but it will also matter to the men who I think increasingly are also trying to figure out how to juggle work and family. And frankly, if you aren't trying to figure it out, men of Dartmouth, you should be. Fatherhood is being redefined at a lightning fast rate and you do not want to be a dinosaur. So women and men of Dartmouth, as you try to figure out the impossible task of juggling work and family, and you hear over and over and over again that you just need a lot of help, you just need to be organized, you just need to try a little bit harder. As a very successful woman, a single mother of three, who constantly gets asked the question, how do you do it all? For once, I'm going to answer that question with 100% honesty here for you now. Because it's just us. Because it's our fireside chat. Because somebody has to tell you the truth. Shonda, how do you do it all? The answer is this. I don't. 
it's so amazing to hear someone just say that like yeah. sometimes you just you just forget that these people are real people like Shonda Rhimes seems like such an incredible aspirational but not realistic figure and it's really heartening to know that she does struggle and she does have to just be like okay not going to my kids play today because I'm doing this or like okay not getting all my work done today because it's really important that I'm there for my kids today an amazing book by an amazing woman that we'd heartily recommend yeah and I would definitely say that if you like audiobooks, this is a good audiobook because mm, it's more than just her reading out the book. She weaves in like clips and stories and other media, which is really good. So for next week, I've been wanting to recommend you this for ages. I really hope you like it. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> um, this is the film Short Term 12, which stars Brie Larson, who you may remember from Room a from few weeks ago. The, the excellence of Room, yes. Yes. So Short Term 12, the eponymous Short Term 12, is a care home for teenagers. And as you could imagine, because a lot of them have come from troubled backgrounds and that's why they're in care, they have a lot of sort of psychological problems. And Brie Larson plays Grace, who works there, along with her boyfriend, Mason. And it's really just about Grace and her relationship relationship with these kids but also her relationship with her own father who's in prison and her relationship with her boyfriend who's a very loving supportive boyfriend but sometimes finds it difficult to get grace to open up to him i loved it i think it's really really good i'm gonna take the opportunity to rewatch it and i really hope you enjoy it sounds great Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes and Tumblr. All the links are at newstatesman.com slash S-R-S-L-Y. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.